Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 271. Uh, Jam-packed episode again this week. A lot of topics to cover. Uh, Made in Utica, Justin Parkinson joins us this week for some evergreen stuff that I've been collecting. We're talking cars, tech, a little Utica wrestling history. Also this week, a lot of uh, big news to cover this week, including the NBA strike, the passing of Chaz McBoseman, uh, all the things going on in Kenosha. Uh, We'll talk a little about the Charlestown Mall. Uh, all that, plus history lessons. We'll talk about Smash Mouth, Loch Ness Monster, uh, Zombie Herman Kane, all sorts of crazy stuff, plus cover songs. It's cover song week here at the podcast. Yes, that's right, folks. Uh, as always, as always, every single week, we are happy to have you here. Oh, yes. Shout out oh. to Hashtag Stitcher Hive out I told there. you. I've been telling you. I don't know what you mean actually are. Of course they are. Stitcher Hive strong. Stitcher Hive strong. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. It's the Uticast episode 271. Uh, big week here. I got a lot of stuff all over the place. Uh, mm. Well, Justin's going to come back from Made in Utica because we're going to mm-hmm. talk about some car problems I'm having. Mm. Uh, and we can get into that in just a second. Uh, we're also, I got a whole bunch of off-the-board stuff we're going to talk about, like not topical like uh, evergreen kind of stuff that I've been saving for him. So I have like a whole bunch of stuff oh, to I discuss see. with him. I see. Some sports. We're going to do a deep dive into Utica wrestling history. I got a huge deep dive over the last uh, 24 hours about Utica local wrestling that happened here since 1987. Like mm. uh, the WWE has come to Utica about 12 times in this sure. period between 1987 and 1994. Okay. So we're going to look back at some of these moments and whether I you see. can find some of them I on see. the internet. This is you and Justin. Yeah, we're going to do I that see. in a little bit. Uh, mm. So a strange interview this week. But uh, it's one of those, you know, 10 for you guys, 1 for me interviews. Or, mm-hmm. uh, but welcome back, folks. It's nice to have everybody here. Kevin, it's nice to have you here again this here week. This is a phenomenal looking cup of coffee. You made it me looks a strong. Yeah, it's an Americano. You just get the, the espresso and you pour the hot boiling water into it. Uh... Shout out to the Nespresso Company for their espresso yeah. machines. Uh, they can sponsor us anytime they want. It smells delightful. Uh, so what else is on the... We have a lot of stuff on the board this week that's obviously really important. Really tough stuff to talk about this week that's been going on in the world. We're going to get into like Kenosha and the NBA strike and Chadwick Bozeman and a lot of really like dour stuff that happened this week. Another tough week in America. Another tough week in America. Uh, but I want to start with some other things to okay. start off light. Uh, you'll, there's going to be a theme, I guess, when we get to the Spotify picks this week. All the songs that are on this week's Spotify playlist are going to be cover songs. We've mm. been thinking a lot about cover songs over the uh, last couple things at the house. So for listeners out there, uh, shout us out some of your favorite cover songs that you can mm. think of. Because I'm sure that even though I've done a lot of research over the last 48 hours on cover songs, I missed something super obvious and super cool. Mm. So go ahead and shout us out. Uh, Kev, you were talking about cover songs. You, you're looking for... You and the band are looking for new songs to think about working on. Uh, we always are trying to be learning new stuff. We've got like 
probably like 200, 250 songs in the hopper. But just like trying to add stuff, keep it new, keep it fresh. So every time we play, uh, not only do the people watching always make sure every time they see the band they get a different show, but it also keeps it less monotonous for us to be playing such a wide variety of songs. Well, it's been such a long time since I've been playing in a band to think about the concept of like negotiating cover songs diplomatically in a band. Like, what are some songs that we can all agree that we like and that are cool and that people will like? It's a harder thing than you'd think. It goes of. it goes, it goes, goes backwards for us, for our <laughs> process. What songs will people like? like? What do people know? Because for what we do, I mean, we get hired for, you know, a lot of private events, a lot of weddings, a lot mm-hmm. of places. We play up at Turning Stone all the time. You know, we play all these spots mm-hmm. where you're expected to go out there and entertain the masses of the people that come. So you got to make sure you're playing stuff that people know. Cause there's tons of things I'd love to play that nobody besides me and the few of my friends that might be there would know. <laughs> uh, also this way, I need to shout out uh, GFOP, good friend of the pod, uh, Erica Zalatan, mm. who sent me a message on her Instagram story showing some original merchandise from our first band, The Blueprint, which if you are not familiar with, you can go back 15 episodes to listen to our three-episode mm-hmm. series about the history of our band, The Blueprint. Yeah, yeah. She sent us some merchandise, and boy, let me tell you, we mm. had some bad merch. It was not great. Tough. That was not the best-looking piece of merch. I don't know who designed it. It was probably... Because that, that was something that, uh, I think that was something that Jay like made in the basement. In the basement, with right. supplies, with you supp- could purchase it like Walmart. In yeah, the yeah. era of when you would go to like a Walmart or an Office Max and buy like sticker sheets yes. for your printer. And then try to oh, line them up with the God. printer. Well, who knows what kind of print? You got some <laughs> printer that came with your Dell. So it doesn't print. It's terrible. Nobody's looked at the ink cartridges and God forbid the oh, ribbon. Yeah. You got no toner. <laughs> the mess. You got like five stickers and then it's all ruined. Um, I think about that in the era of like my mom's computer, like when we would play shows and I would have to make flyers for the band, like for Jinxed, but it would just be literally me stacking word art fonts on top of each other, like Jinxed in impact (laughs) font. And then it's like at this church somewhere randomly in comic sans. Then below that, it'd be something else, like just all different colors and you that 3D word effect you know I'm talking about that you're yeah. so impressed. Like, amazing. Yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Awesome stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Erica, thank you for posting that. Uh, mm. Anytime you want to start Space Bodega with me and you and Kevin and Tim Tram. Anytime you guys want to start that band, Space Bodega's here. Ready for it. Don't take that name. It's mine. Mm. Can't have it. <laughs> That's your name. Space, Space Bodega's the name, whatever my next music project is. Mm. That's what I've decided. I see. No more Informers tracks. No more Blueprint track. Mm. Only Space Bodega tracks going forward. I see. I see. <laughs> uh, I also learned three cover songs this week. Hey, there you go. Yeah, trying to be not so depressed around the house. Picking up the guitar. Picking up the guitar that sits Good in for the house. Him. So I learned three songs of varying difficulty this week, and I'll mm. go through this as quickly as possible. Mm. The first one is a song called You Wanted a Hit by LCD Sound System. And if you said, what the hell's that song? Sure. Fine. <laughs> it's not a popular song. Just go look it up. It's a good song. It's a good song. But this is the problem for a guy like me who likes a band like LCD Sound System or like a Hot Chip or like these sort of hipstery bands. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these songs don't have a discernible amount of guitar in them. So the idea of like picking up Correct. a guitar and Especially cover... like you're playing like an acoustic guitar too. An so. acoustic guitar in my yeah. living room. This is like a song that's got synthesizers and mm-hmm. you know bass guitars and drum beats. So I think it's weird to, you know... To, it's hard to think of songs you want to learn. Like I had a hard time finding songs. I was like, I want to learn how to play this song. Mm. Right? I don't know. It's tough. There's, it's over. You're paralyzed by choice sometimes. Yeah, I think that's that's <laughs> probably pretty fair. So that song was very easy. Mm-hmm. So I so I was like, all right, I'm gonna learn. You'll never walk alone, which is the Liverpool football theme song. 
And it's also a song from the musical Carousel by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Mm. And <laughs> what that means is that song has tons of chord changes. Real-life chord changes. Real-life chord changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real significant, like, minor chord changes and real subtle changes. And that song was tough. Yeah, I, no four-chord grip it and rip no, it for Rodgers and Hammerstein. <laughs> no, no bouncing my way through. So that one was tough. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, somewhere in the middle, I settled on Hand in My Pocket by Alanis Morissette, mm. which was a good medium for, like, I'm going to learn a song on the acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Weird, sort of popular song. Most people know it. Yeah. Pretty easy to play. Wasn't incomplete when I was playing it the way that the LCD sound system song. It's like I'm playing 10% of a song. Right. Uh, so yeah. So I think that's the song I've decided you guys should learn. Hand in My Pocket by, by Alanis Morissette. Uh, I'm also a big fan of covering a female pop star song. Mm. But singing it as, a, as an acoustic man like mm-hmm. I'm the guy from A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm Eddie Peter. Yeah, just sort of <laughs> just drop it low. Uh, so yeah, so th- send us your good cover song ideas, and at the end of this week's episode in the Spotify picks, I'll uh, we'll go into it. But they're all going to be cover songs this week. Uh, I have one pick for you guys on content I saw this week. Kevin and I watched a documentary called Class Action Park mm. on HBO. It was Max. pretty good, and you you may have seen this before. It's not a wildly unknown story about Action Park in New Jersey, but mm. it was presented pretty well. Uh, all I could think to myself is I kind of I wanted to go on like twenty percent of the rides. Like, mm. once they presented the rides, even as dangerous as they were, I still think there was at least 20 to 30% that I would have been like, yeah, that I, that seems safe enough. Mm. I, <laughs> have you ever been to any of the world's, like, crappy water parks? Not, I'm not talking about Enchanted no, Forest. The only, the only water park I've ever been to is Enchanted Forest. Unless you count, what was that, like, Typhoon Lagoon they've got down at Disney? Disney. I guess that's a water park. I've been there. So I think Enchanted Forest gets some, you know, some well-deserved, like, slack a little bit sometimes for being what it is. But when you get out into other states and see their versions of Enchanted Forest, yeah. or other, like, counties other areas, in New York, yeah. be grateful for what we got be over there. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some real... Enchanted ooh. Forest is a paradise compared to some of these trap houses. Oh, I've definitely oh seen, God. like, some of the indoor ones along the highway, like, out, like... West Pennsylvania. Are you in on an indoor water park? No, I'm not, in on, I'm not in an outdoor water park, really. Like, when you think about it, I mean, it's a it's decent in execution, but what are we doing out here? I'm barefoot, on the uh, concrete, you run around, you're wet. We've already got water parks, they're called lakes. And you're an adult, just get some money together, go rent a boat, and just go out to the lake. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, Class Action Park, pretty good. I thought it was a pretty well-done documentary. I laughed most of the way through it. It was pretty funny. It was a good watch. It was a very accessible watch. Very accessible. Which is important for a documentary because not every, you know what I mean, documentaries aren't always compelling for everybody. But this was an easy, engageable watch that I feel like a lot of people would probably enjoy. There's only one thing I didn't like about it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. stay right now because I thought it was interesting. The documentary deals with people who die mm-hmm. in real life, right? And they do say, save a section for it to talk about, like, to sort of solemnly talk about how these people died and how it's, like, a real, you know, injustice that this, like, park was allowed to open. Yeah. But up until that point, everything about this is, like, a punching down documentary. Like, let's laugh it up at this park. Mm-hmm. So there is, like, a weird shift of tone for, like, ten minutes where they're like, you know all the stuff we've been laughing about? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is also very serious. Then all these people died and this is a mm-hmm. crime story. But also, I can't believe this guy put an electric fan in a pool ride so that when you fell out of the water, you get electrocuted by the fans in the water. What a terrible idea. New Jersey, 1989. Like, what a mm-hmm. what a strange time to be alive. Uh, one last note, I guess. Um, uh, I pulled the trigger 
on a new computer this week. Hey, finally did it. Uh, finally bit the bullet. This. I want the the listeners to know that you're saying this to me with two laptops open in front of you. <laughs> and another one uh, charging right behind you. That's true. <laughs> There's three laptops in my personal vicinity. Uh, there's all there are various reasons that are boring for the listeners to know Certainly. why each of these three laptops is a non viable option for me mm-hmm. going forward. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. Mm-hmm. One of these laptops is simply used for streaming internet television. So the new laptop basically replaces all three. It definitely replaces at least two of them mm-hmm. the second it steps out the door. I'm immediately having buyer's remorse because I'm a terrible consumer. Right. And I hate capitalism apparently mm. <laughs> and i spent all this money on something i desperately need and am overdue on getting and have the money for and still somehow i'm like Ugh, i can't believe i spent all this money yeah it's true um i was have to make a big purchase like that like up front like just yeah we're buying it i still get buyer's remorse about this playstation 4 that cost me like 500 dollars however many years ago i'm still like i can't believe i spent 500 dollars on <laughs> I don't know why. Like I don't know. Uh, what are you gonna do with all your money? What are you gonna do with all your money? Um, I was gonna talk about magic really quickly, but we'll skip past it. Just do you mean like performing magic? Do you mean like the card game? Yeah, the Orlando basketball team. No, no, no. About performing magic because I was on a kick watching uh, Penn and Teller stuff. Mm. But instead, I'll just say thanks to all the folks who sent nice responses to my Instagram story with Justin from last night. Did you see it? I did see you guys trying to cut cards. We were trying to do the one-handed card cut, mm. and. Uh, it's actually once you work your way through the process, the uh, lift, drop, trapdoor, slide. It's uh, it's not so hard. Mm. I think it's pretty. I think most people would be able to do it with like a couple. It only took me like five attempts. I hope it. that you and Justin really double down on training with cards. I would love to see you guys get a two man uh, card magic show together. Uh, I was going to do a whole bit to start off the show, but we're already twelve minutes in, so I'm gonna push, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push it to next week. Okay. Uh, but it was about the Weimar Republic. Are you I, familiar? I gotta tell you, I was wondering because I saw this laptop screen with the PowerPoint slide about the Weimar Republic. Okay, I, I really we can save it for next week. It's okay. it's worth a discussion. But I'm seeing a lot of people on the internet suddenly over the last couple of days drawing a lot of conclusions between our current situation in the world right now and the Weimar Republic situation in Germany between World War One and World War Two. So I was going to talk a little bit about it for folks who've never seen it, because I did this with my kids in high school. Uh, but because I've done it and I have a presentation, I'm going to hold off. But be aware, it's something you guys should know about the Weimar Republic. It's a weirdly undiscussed period of uh, European history. Mm-hmm. This sort of 10-year period in between uh, World War I and the start of World War II and just the rise of Nazis in Germany. It's very... the un sort of talked about part. And we'll do it next week and we'll hold it off. Okay. Uh, Because I want to get into some other stuff this week that is local uh, that I want to talk about. First off, let's talk about the Charleston Mall. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the lead story this week. Lead Um, story this week. Uh, State officials are in Utica today to investigate potential health effects from the smoke that blanketed the city after a fire at Charlestown Mall. Do you have, like, hot takes on this to start off with? Because I was going to dig through some of, like, the the general stuff here. I mean... How hot of a take would you like? Well, I'll put it this way. <laughs> Federal uh, EPA reports in 2010 said the site contains significant amounts of asbestos and has ne- that has never been abated, uh, could cause lung cancer and lung-related diseases. So I, it seemed to be a problem. There's a big, giant asbestos cloud hanging over our city for a couple of days. It's very disarming. I don't know if that's where you wanted to start. <laughs> What do you really know about the Charleston Mall? Like, 
We posted that video on Facebook mm-hmm. with people walking through it. It seemed to have like a chop shop inside of it. I've been in there. Have you been inside of there? Yeah. Have, yeah, yeah. Um, I went in there on, oh gosh, a lot of years ago now, probably six, seven, eight years ago now. But uh, I went in there uh, one time with somebody who was a photographer and like mm-hmm. taking pictures and doing some exploring. It was wild in there. It's huge. Yeah. It's crazy just how big of a footprint that thing had. Mm. Um, as far, I mean, as far as the cloud goes, I'd hope. I, I don't know what to even make of that. I, so it was, I don't even know how to describe it. I know people who are listeners are, are mostly oh, in, local listeners, are yeah. local listeners, but it did feel strange that day. I don't oh, think yeah. it felt strange, but just the air was heavy. Mm. And I'm not, you know. When it was raining so hard, I mean, yeah. we got so much rain. It's, just, it's wild, right? Because I guess if it's going to burn down, you would almost want to plan it for. Uh, yeah, you want it to happen when all this rain is coming. Okay, so that's the big sort of, I guess it's not the elephant in the room, but no. there, there's a lot of history of arson at this building already. Tons. Tons and tons. tons. And tons Every of time history. it's caught on fire, it's been proven to be arson, so it seems like I don't see why this one would be any different. Uh, case of the fire remains under investigation as of right now. Uh, U.S. Senators Chuck Schumer and Representative uh, Anthony Brindisi, Representative Utica, called today on the EPA to send an on-scene coordinator to inspect the site for environmental and public health threats. Uh, the aging building and potentially hazardous chemicals present a real-life threat to our community, Brindisi said in a statement. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is this a... I don't know if this is a crime. This is a crime if someone burned this down, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. for sure that's a crime. That's a crime. Yeah, that's a big crime. <laughs> I'm saying, that's like... That's a huge crime. So investigation still underway means the story is still going on, hopefully, right? As opposed to just burning down and we just move on from it, which is what it seems like probably That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. That's that's what's gonna happen, yeah, right? I mean, they're gonna find out it was arson. They're gonna be able to figure out who did it. Who did like, it? Right. Nobody knows, and it's gonna be down. It'll just—I mean, man, what goes there now? What do you think they do with that? Space? They've already got plans. Mm. They've already got plans. They've come out with plans for what they'd like to do. They're like suddenly on. They want to develop it. Matter of fact, uh, yeah. So there we go. I mean, I don't want to do too much more here. I know we can dig through all this report about EPA stuff and plans to renovate it, but you know, you can read all that stuff on the internet. It's. It was really surreal to see the footage from an emotional standpoint. To see all of the, it was an intense looking blaze. Yeah, for sure. And just to see all of the drone footage and all the shots mm-hmm. of it in the hindsight. Well, and it looked like a. I mean, because it looks like an apocalyptic movie, right? It to see a building so large, like on fire and stuff like yeah. that. You know, that's not a visual you see all the time, and it's a building that everybody's familiar with. You know yeah. what I mean? If you live around Utica or have been around it so large, most people have seen it or driven by it a million times. Um, crazy. I mean, shout out to all the firefighters. Talk about doing some work. You know what I mean? Firefighters mm. from all over the place responded to go see it. You know? It, I mean, you know, and again, I, all the respect in the world of those firefighters out there, I can't imagine how dangerous and scary it would have had to be to be out there trying to fight something that big mm-hmm. and that unwieldy and that kind of circumstance with and those. And then just even, even once you get past the point, because I went and, you know, uh, I went and saw it afterwards, and they were still, like, late, later the next day, yeah. still out there hosing. So even after the point where, like, they're scared and terrified, I mean, those guys are out there for hours upon hours upon hours, yeah. man. Firefighting, so that's a that's quite a job would to love, be a firefighter. I would love to get a firefighter to come on the show and talk to us about... I wonder if a firefighter can talk like that, about being a firefighter. Not about, about or, this, uh, about this experience. I'd love yeah, someone yeah. to, to like, uh, to share, because I'm, I, again... People talk about like jobs, like when you're a kid, my mom was like, why don't you be a doctor? It's like, because I have tons of respect for what doctors can do and what I don't have the the skills to do. Yeah. I don't know if I have the physical and emotional skills to like do what someone like that could do. Mm-hmm. Like to 
to run into a burning building. That's that's real courage. That's for sure. That's scary. It's scary stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And I I'd love to know. Yeah. I'd love to know. All right, so we can move on from that. Uh, let's move on to something. Uh, oh, I lost the story. Uh, I just dropped it. Hang on one second. See, these are the kind of problems that I won't have anymore when I can do this all on one computer. You know what I'm I saying? See. <laughs> Having to deal back and forth between two computers. All right, so earlier this week, uh, this has sort of been going around locally. This is a story I'm kind of not super psyched to talk about. There was a recent incident at a Back the Blue rally in Skyland, New York, attended by uh, Republican Congresswoman uh, hopeful Claudia Tinney that descended into violence on August 26th. Uh, when Trump supporters attacked Black Lives Matter activists who were counter-demonstrating. Uh, there's a lot of stories around here about, uh, going on, so you can read more about this. Mm. Um, I just think the story I want to go with here from my perspective is, like, I think sometimes in Utica, when I'm in the local community and around the people I'm with, you forget how close it is that stuff like this exists. Like, Skyler's not that far away. And I was seeing a lot of, like, T-shirts and stuff out there that represent some pretty scary groups, like far-right groups out there that I was like, oh, yeah, that's right behind my back door. I always forget about that. I mean, it's everywhere, man. It's on your street. Yeah, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you go drive, drive any in, in any which direction. Um, I just I don't know, man. I was so I I hate this story. I hate this story mm. so much. Uh, it just makes me so frustrated and so angry. I don't really have any like nuanced take about this it. This is I, just... one, I mean, this is one of those stories where from the video that I saw, you showed me some video. It was just a clip of video, but from. From my perspective, this is one of those things where everybody's an asshole mm-hmm. in this video. Yeah. Because the the guy who was aggressively coming down and trying like coming after the young people, saying he was going to fight them and acting real wild and mm-hmm. saying like you know I'll stand up like you're a coward or whatever, definitely out of pocket acting wild needs to be stopped, remanded immediately. But also he was yelling like, oh you're saying you're going to do this and that to mm-hmm. my daughter and to my granddaughter and to my like saying you're basically mm-hmm. insinuating you're going to commit sexual assault on this dude's wife and kids. He definitely was too angry and handled yeah. it in a way he shouldn't have. But if you're out there acting like that and inciting people, don't be surprised if you get the wrong guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just, you know, there's enough problems that people have and there's enough tensions that people have without having to exacerbate it by being antagonistic towards anybody. You should try to not be antagonistic towards anybody because it's just not helpful. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a sad story. Uh, this happened just a couple days ago. Uh, 43 years old, Chadwick Boseman passed away this week from uh, from colon cancer. Um, this story has been covered to death, so I don't think we can cover it in any... No, uh, what, can, what can we what say can that say? anybody else hasn't already said? I mean... I mean, I think I really respect the privacy. Like, I can see... It's an, yeah, un, an unbelievable... Just... Uh, perfect, perfect way to handle it. You know what I mean? For... I, I feel like if I was in his position, you're doing that, yeah. like, without being picked apart by the media, just, like, staying quiet and staying super private, like, respect to him if he's a super private guy for yeah. getting away with it, because not a lot of people do or would be able to. Yeah. So, I am hope I hope that him being able to keep it private like that was able to give mm-hmm. him and his family peace during this obviously just outrageously, you know, hard struggle. In 2020, man, like what a what a gut punch. It's true. Like just a guy who you felt like was just really settling into the prime of his like acting career. Mm-hmm. Like just like was such a good guy. And there's so many videos coming out, so much viral content that people are sharing about like what a good guy he was and what he meant to people and like what a positive influence he was on everyone around him. And it's just just such a shame. And feels like it was too soon, but it always feels like it's too soon in situations like this, right? When someone mm-hmm. like this passes away, so. Yeah, 
I don't have any more on that. Chad Roseman. Mm-hmm. What a great what a great guy it seemed like. Everything I've read about him and everything I've seen. Very sad. You gotta rewatch Black Panther now. Yeah. You know, I wonder if they even can make another Black Panther movie now. No. I don't think you can. No. What are you gonna do? Well, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, like, you, yeah. what could you... Like, Anytime they, soon, you're not just gonna have another guy. You know what I mean? You can't... Even if it was, like, Michael B. Jordan? Like, if he did it? If they did it, That's the only way I can think about it. You can't just come in and be like, oh, yeah, I'm now King T'Challa, the Black Panther. You have to... Uh, well... There's something. A, there's a really uh, good article today from uh, where they talked to Ryan Coogler, director and writer of Black yeah, Panther, yeah. and he talks a lot about you know I he didn't tell me so I had been yeah, writing yeah. this whole movie for a year with this man's voice and lead in mind so it does not seem like they would even make another one. No, but, just, they uh, just can't. There's can't. No way. Uh, very sad. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about the NBA. Love to. Uh, um, we're big NBA fans here uh, at the Unicast. Um, Earlier this week, uh, in response to the the shooting of Jacob Blake, uh, the how I guess how do I do the overview on this story to, to shut it down? Like the Milwaukee Bucks were the first team that uh, that walked off in strike or in bro- and boycott, which people were calling no, not it. boycott. It was strike. not a boycott. It was not a boycott. It was a, boycott. Strike, it was a strike. Cowards in the media were calling it a mm-hmm. boycott because they don't want to popularize striking. Yeah. Uh, although you know a lot of people need to be popularizing striking, but. Yeah, the the Milwaukee Bucks went on strike and uh, refused to come out in protest to play their game. In response to this, uh, Milwaukee specifically, you know, Kenosha is in Milwaukee, so it's mm-hmm. a hometown close to home incident. They've had problems with it anyway. There's a guy on Milwaukee who's been yep. he had a police incident where he was tased and they mm-hmm. were kneeling on his neck and messing with him just because he was double parked in a Walgreens while like somebody ran mm-hmm. in to get a prescription, like just out of nowhere, like harassed him, detained him, all this wild stuff. So they're very sensitive to it. Uh, they came out and said that they weren't going to play the game, and then all the rest of the teams followed suit until mm. players had some meetings to figure out what they were going to do. But they went on strike for a couple of days to bring some bring some more eyeballs and more attention and pressure to the situation. I loved I loved it. Oh, it's amazing! I loved it so much. I've never been so proud to be an NBA fan. It was it was great. I've never been so proud to be an NBA fan, man. And uh, I just loved all the different voices. There's a I shared a lot of stuff on the Unicast Twitter page during mm. it. Like I I loved Chris Webber's speech that he gave. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I. Uh, I thought what Kenny did, uh, what Kenny mm-hmm. Smith did, was very cool. Shout out to Kenny for walking off the set. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought what Doc Rivers said, you know what I mean? I have his quote up here. It's not going to do me any justice to read his quote, but I thought what yeah. Doc Rivers said, you know, in response mm-hmm. to, like, the Republican convention and Donald Trump mm-hmm. was was really powerful as well. And I and I really drive, and I think this really, for, you know, it, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure it didn't. But I would hope that this moment put a nail in the coffin of the stick to sports narrative and all the stick to sports people out there who were like, why? Oh, no way, because all the all the idiots are, they're like, oh, what's this going to do? This doesn't do anything. Oh, just a bunch of millionaires, rah, rah. Uh, which, you know, I did do something because now they've got to deal with owners where all of the home arenas will be polling places for this election. Yes. So that's yes. what it does. Mm-hmm. That's what it does when you do this. So now all these giant stadiums in major metropolitan areas can become large polling stations and having proper polling stations has always been a problem for as far as conducting elections in large major metropolitan areas. So that's a huge, huge victory. And I hope they keep the pressure on, keep the feet to the fire, because the owners might be the owners, but the players have all the power. I don't care what team you own. You don't have a league if you don't have the players. I don't remember who said this uh, exactly, uh, so I can't give them total credit, but I loved just this, this, this one simple thing. On Wednesday, when the Bucks walked out, mm-hmm. every sports writer and every journalist who was a, going to write an article about that game that night 
suddenly had to write a different article. Mm-hmm. Just that one simple, that's one simple aspect of how it forced other people to do something different and to change what they're doing, even yeah, if yeah. in a minor way. Mm-hmm. Those small little things, that's just one example of millions mm-hmm. of things that could go from that. And Yeah, yeah and... I, I think I sort of... I wasn't sure if they were going to come back to play. I guess they're, they're, ba- they're back to playing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly love watching basketball, right? Yeah. But I would not have been totally upset if they decided they just didn't want to play the whole season. Too. Yeah, no, if they wanted to push yeah. it, I would have been behind the respected, but I'm glad they're back. I'm also not surprised that they're back. I figured they probably would be. Yeah. Uh, and let me just... Uh, we'll go to... Uh, okay, let's go to Kenosha for my two... Uh, I'm done with these guys of the week. Uh, the first one is uh, Police Chief Daniel Minskins, uh, who is out here saying that these uh, deadly things that have happened in the streets wouldn't have happened if people weren't staying out past their curfew. So mm. the curfew, of course, is to blame for what's been going on out in the streets and all this violence. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, so Daniel Minskins thinks, hey, if you guys had stayed in during your curfew, this would have been a problem. Our government enforced curfew <laughs> that we put down on you. If you just stayed inside and listened, maybe we wouldn't have to kill so many people. Mm. It's not a great take. Uh, I'm done with that guy. Uh, I'm also done with uh, with Sheriff David Beth, who uh, report who people were mad again about about an earlier report from January 2018, uh, where he highlighted uh, that certain types of people just are not worth saving. Mm. Uh, so there you go. These are the people who are uh, in charge of things <laughs> down there. So uh, no wonder things are going the way they're going. Uh, man, this is like, this, I always say, like, we get to our Doomsday Report sometimes, and we have a Doomsday Report later, but this is the real Doomsday Report. When we do our Doomsday Report later in the show that's about, like, an asteroid or a rogue AI system that's going to hit the planet or something, Mm. those are, like, in jest. Yes. This section of the podcast, where Mm. we talk about, like... The true disaster report. The true disaster report. This is the true Doomsday Report. Oh, man. Uh, section of the podcast. Um, we got to change our genre classification to Doom and Gloom. <laughs> yes. Doom and Gloom. Uh, do I have any... Uh, oh, and here's another good one. And this one I just want to bring up because I, I saw this in action. Mm. There's a new Call of Duty video game coming yeah. out this week. I don't know if you saw the trailer for it. It's called Call of Duty mm-hmm. Black Ops Cold War. Uh, and it's getting a lot of negative attention and controversy because it gives a lot of airtime to Soviet defector Yuri uh, Bez, uh, Bezmenov. I think I'm, Bezmenov, I'm saying that wrong, uh, and his views. Uh, Bezmenov in his recent years has become a da- uh, dangerous rallying cry for far-right conspiracy theorists and the people who peddle them. Mm. Uh, so he's a major part of this game in this trailer. Um, so I'm playing one of the Call of Duty games. It was free this week, mm. or this month, on or last month, I'm sorry, on PlayStation 4. They give you like a couple free games. Sure. <laughs> the game that's on there is uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's a very popular game. The third mission of the game is called No Russian. And it is this infamous controversial mission that people who play the game know I'm talking about where you are a deep cell sleeper agent inside a Russian terrorist organization as they shoot up an airport in Russia. Mm. It is super disturbing. Right. The game warns you. It says this game includes... Like, uh, disturbing content, you have to, like, click yes on multiple boxes before you play the game. Right. But I'm also, like, a 34-year-old. I'm sure. like, okay, I'm an adult. I'm not gonna, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I'll pl- I'm gonna play the piece of art sure. as what it is because, sure, sure. you know. Man. So, 
the game doesn't require you as the character to actually kill anybody. Mm. But you don't have to shoot anyone. But you can. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You can essentially walk your way through a mass airport shooting. With... How is that different than hundreds of other video games? How is that different than, than Grand Theft Auto? Where's the difference in, like, this is some... Artistry. This, this touches my soul, but... Just Art, the way it's, like, presented in the Artistry game. and framing, man. Like, Grand Theft Auto is a freeform sandbox video game. I'm not saying it doesn't have terrible things in it, and the storylines are terrible, but this is a linear video game. You're going from point A to point B. You're being taken through a story that they want you to interact with, that they uh -huh. want you to see. I mean, look, I'm not a super touchy, like, context-sensitive guy. Like, I, I can take some yeah, yeah, gross yeah. There's, see, you're walking through this airport with just hundreds of, like, bloody bodies and people crawling away that you can shoot and kill in real time and put them out of their misery. And it's just really intense. Like, it sounds I, horrible, yeah. It's really, like, wildly intense. And it I, sounds horrible. And I, and I played it, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to pass judgment on it. It's one of the most popular video games of the last, like, millions of people have played this game, right? Sure. The rest of the game is any other standard run-around shooting terrorists and saving the day thing. That one section, though, it really was. I'd always sort of thought it was overblown. And I thought it was weird also that it would be free to give away. <laughs> like, this is oh. the game we're giving away for free this month. That has this in like you said, all these people have already played it. You know what I mean? It's a classic game. So I guess it's hard to justify why wouldn't we just give it out for free, right? But They put it in the game. They don't care. You know what I mean? They don't uh, care then. Why would they care now? So there you go. So in case you were curious about whether Call of Duty is going to handle this, uh, uh, this, this men off stuff with ease and grace... Well, you can look back at their track record and see how they've done handling things mm. uh, with grace. So there you go. See, so it seems like just being provocative is like a marketing strategy. Is I mean, what we're talking about here. video games is a real weird touch point. Every, it's a weird marketing strategy. Yeah, I mean, vi but video games in general is a weird, like, I, I don't, I do not like to play online video games because you do not like to hear what people are saying no, over the headphones. Sure. It's a weird, un unreasonably toxic community. Honestly, it's really unsettlingly toxic, and I don't. That's a longer conversation we can have right now, because uh, we go into the twenty minutes on it. But just be aware, this stuff's going on. You can go to Kotaku and read more about that article if you want. Uh, all right, let's get to this week's interview. Uh, my car's having issues. Mm. Uh, have you noticed that? Have you gotten in my car lately? Have you heard my car? I've no. I've been mad loud, mm. super loud, mm. and also squeaky, loud and squeaky. Too. Mm. <laughs> it's a bad combination of things to have. I'm hearing. I'm hearing some brake squeak. Mm. I'm hearing some, what I think sounds like some muffler. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, so uh, I'm going to talk with Justin a little bit about it uh, when he gets here, among other things. I also have a list of the 10 most damaging, ooh, pardon me, damaging car disasters, like for your budget. What's the car thing you're always afraid of when you go to the dealership? Like, what are you afraid they're going to say to you? Oh, I mean, the worst thing that happens is what? Probably frame. Frame? That's because you're done. The car's over. Head gasket always means I'm paying a lot of money. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, sick. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> transmission and then engine. Yeah. Frame yeah. transmission engine. We'll see where some of those end up on the list uh, with Justin. We'll be back to the show in just a moment.
Wait, hang on, am I going? Going. <laughs> give me your best radio voice. What's your give me your go-to like radio announcer voice? WNBC here with the Utica cast. <laughs> <laughs> the Utica cast. Uh, give me your best Utica cast. <clears throat> give me your best radio announcer. Oh, I don't do on it. I don't. They wouldn't put me on a radio announcer voice. So. It would be a lot of this. It would be like, I'd be missing the hits. I would be refusing. I'm Levitard. I refuse to read the ads. I could do... <laughs> it's like, I'm not here for the money. I fuck. I could do sports, or I could do like a Casey Casey, like, Kevin Epp on the dime. <laughs> Steely Dan. And a, so I can't think of any other artist. Simpsons and Casey Casey. <laughs> Kevin Epp next to Lannis Morissette. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can do like, like a Brock Meyer. Uh, that's my favorite. It's like a, it's a low hanging fruit joke, but um, baseball announcer. Baseball announcer. Essentially, you could deliver any story, no matter what it was. Yeah. And then as long as you put the call after it, it's like apologies for homophobic slurs. Even comes with home run calls. I'm so sorry for what I've done. A long deep fly ball into left field. Larry gets a hold of this one. Uh, four nothing Reds. I can't believe what happened. I'm so embarrassed of myself. Uh, seventh, end of the second. It's uh, seventh of the year. Yeah, just a bit outside. Uh, so Zach Wilson. They're going to make a pitching change and uh, a broadcast change. Zach Wilson joining us here in studio. Uh, it was originally just going to be me and Justin. I had some lists of. Essentially, I just had some evergreen content that I had saved up for Justin, but. Uh, Zach happened to stop by the green room at the perfect time, so we thought, bring him on for a couple things here. But before we do that, Zach, how's things? What's going on, buddy? Oh, it's going good. You know, living the corona life. Um, Got that new nose, the Michael. Yeah, new nose. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's a great... So can you explain to people what happened? You had to get surgery? Yes. Yeah, so um, he wanted the young Michael. The young Michael Jackson. <laughs> I asked for little Michael, and I got it. So uh, progressively over like the last 10 years, my... Breathing through my nose just kind of got worse and worse. As I'm getting older, I'm developing more like seasonal allergies. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get, you know, go figure out what was going on. So I contacted a ENT, ears, note, and throat doctor. Mm -hmm. And um, they did an x-ray on my face. And it turns out I'd broken my nose. He estimated like 25 years ago. I'm thinking more along 30. Can I, can I accept for one second? Sure. Now, you said this has been going on for a long time. You've had breathing issues for a long time. Yeah, just through my nose, like progressively. But was there any sort of instigating moment where you said, you know what, I have to go have somebody look at this? So two years ago, when uh, after we bought our house, I did all the drywall and all the work in my house. Oh, so I was yep. stirring up dust and everything. And mm -hmm. when I was sanding all the joints from joint compound, I wore a mask, but it was like, basically the masks are telling me to wear for coronavirus. It does, sure, sure, does sure, sure. nothing mm -hmm. to stop drywall dust. So, so specific masks for that. Like the drywall. Like a respirator, yeah, probably. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, So um, what happened is, you know, at the couple days after, I was like sleeping. I could not breathe through my nose. Like, I couldn't breathe at all. Like there was no air going up. So I had to go to the emergency room because I was like, I thought I was dying. I just, when you try, have to just breathe through your mouth, it's the worst. give you a panic attack. The worst. So I go to the emergency room, they flush it out, and I had like all this compacted, the drywall dust basically mixed with my mucus, as disgusting Ugh, no. as that sounds, and it hardened. You asked for this. I did the ask joint, for it. The joint <laughs> compound hardened basically up into my sinuses, like in my cheeks. Plastered you up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, the um, drywall boy. Yeah, so I, uh, I had to get that flush, and after that, it was just like a battle. Yeah. You know, I was up oh, every God. night around 2 or 3 o'clock. Like, my body God. got on the schedule of getting up at 2, 3 a.m. to blow my nose. What's the name of the surgery? What do they call it? It was just like you had 
It's well. It's like, what would you have that this was? What would you go to the doctor and say this was vor? Well, if it was, I was hoping it was like septum. It's very common, yeah. for deviated septums, and um, I hope I was hoping it was just that. But they had to chip where the break was. I had all this calcium buildup on the break, so and so terrible. that was, and it was up so high on the bridge of my nose that where your sinuses go into your cheeks, yeah. like back in here, um, oh, it. God. It just was restricting it so much. It was like he told me it was about ninety percent restricted on uh, one side and like sixty in the other. I don't know how to. I don't mean to make light no, of the situation, but when Justin and I came to visit you at your house a couple days afterwards, <laughs> you looked like W. C. Fields. Your face was so bloated. You looked. It was like red yeah, and bloated. U. S. C. Fight. Your or something. No, I, I I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know what I to say. Like Kanye well, they broke the wire. They, <laughs> the they had the break yet, right? Like, well, I they they put oh. me out, but basically they went in they and chipped out. all of that, and they also scraped all my sinuses, like into oh, my cheeks. Like Jesus. they got anything that was residual from anything was pulled out. And then you had to get that packed back up. Oh man! All right, no. So no, you don't want to talk about it. Just, we'll, 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 we'll do it quick. If it was just a septum surgery, they probably would have only had to put one packing in each. I had two in each because I had to go all oh, the way up to here. <laughs> so it was about when they pulled it out, and I won't get into detail. When they pulled it out, it was about the diameter of a quarter mm-hmm. yeah. and about six inches long oh, in each nostril. And, you know, again, we don't have to get into details, but yeah. folks can look it up. When people get this surgery or this process, this seems to be the part that people say is the worst part. The actual removal of the padding itself is worse yeah. than almost anything. Yeah, well, to put it in perspective, yeah, your equilibrium and all that even stuff, probably. how well I'm breathing now, if I had to go back and do it again, I wouldn't do wouldn't it. Wouldn't do it. Knowing the pain wild. that I went through, I would yeah. I would just, I'd probably just deal with it. Wow. Because it was almost unbearable <laughs> for four days of packing. It's worth waking up at two in the morning versus... <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, like, I, in four days, I probably slept ten hours because... Uh. I'm trying to breathe through my mouth for four days while sleeping in a recliner because they said I had to be elevated. You know, you're trying to sleep like that. You're barely sleeping. You're having anxiety because you're trying to breathe through your mouth, but then you have, and I won't go into detail, yeah, stuff yeah. draining on the back of your throat. Of course, so, yeah, I can't sleep. You know, you're going, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, I wouldn't do it again. The worst, you know, and it's, it's so wild too because, you know, it, it, you think about like the fine line between like, as a human being, just yeah. like being fine and being totally unable to do anything, right? Like you think everyone goes through our day-to-day lives being like totally cool. And I laugh about it when I got the shingles thing. Like I, I was like my day-to-day life. I got shingles and I had to stop my life for like four days. Yeah. I was like, wow, yep, that's it. Totally helpless within two seconds, yeah. just real quick. Yeah, and just like man, I, I can't believe how well you look now. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's been since like, last what, Thursday. Last Thursday. It hasn't yep. even really been a week. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, like pulled, they pulled the packing out. Um, Or no, not last Thursday. They pulled the packing out last Monday. So it's been right, a week huh? since they pulled the packing out. But it's uh, it's been Thursday to be two weeks since I got the surgery. Yes, and um, the quality of life though right now, I can smell my dinner. I haven't smelt my food in six months. And that sounds outrageous until you realize how many things in general you get used to doing yeah. in your life that you don't even think about. Like, oh, I just haven't smelled anything for six months. But now months. I'm dreading going back to work and being around anybody at my work with poor hygiene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you'll be able to I smell. Sm- I can What's smell the last- guy's breath from across the room now. What's this the last kind of surgery you got? Getting surgeries no, no ever? Surgeries, no. Never gotten surgery? No. Never broken an arm? Or- no. Like, uh, I always mess up like ligaments and like, like uh, mm-hmm. I've had... I don't know if you want to call it dislocations or like things that have my knuckle and stuff have been like messed up, but I've never gone mm. and gotten it like repaired. But no surgeries whatsoever. I've never broken like my ankle or 
tore my MCL. Nothing like that. I mean, I've broken bones and I didn't have to get surgery. They just sat on that. I've never even broken, like, actually had to get a I've cast a on pulled. anything. So. That's about it. That's yeah. the close I've had to surgery. Yeah, I had a finger broken when I was a kid. Oh. I got it um, when I was a little kid. I was at my dad's grocery store and uh, I closed one of my fingers in the safe, like yeah. in the, yeah, in the big heavy. metal safe. Yeah, yeah, it messed up my finger. Probably didn't even take much velocity to fucking crush it. No. Yeah. A little tiny yeah. kid finger, too. Yeah. I'm like eight years old, seven years old. Like, come on. Like, come out. It's slow motion. Like, it comes like, out and yeah. touching the back of his hand. <laughs> my dad was so... It was, like the, it was like the end of the day on a Friday, too. He's like, God damn, I got to take this kid to the hospital now. I'm like in the car, got like my hand in a cold cup. And it's like blood. I'm like, ah, I gotta go. Safe one shot, right? The He's worst. Like He's never coming there. to the story. <laughs> never coming back to the story again. Uh, so I had a couple topics this week. We can start in one of two places because I guess we'll do wrestling last, so that yeah. Zach doesn't have to sit through the wrestling. I can talk eighties, nineties all day. <laughs> uh, well, well, uh, so I was saying to Justin, I am having an issue with my car at the moment, and because we're men. I figure that even though none of us are trained mechanics, I can just talk to you guys about it and you can tell me what's wrong with my car. Yeah. First one is, I have two sounds that are happening with my car. Squeak and loud is the two ways I can describe it. Muffler and belts. Muffler and belts. It could be catalytic converter if it's really loud. Yeah. Which mm, is what... Rust, probably re- got a rust hole or something. Your muffler connects to that, really. Right, okay. That's the thing that's driven me, like, this is my concern. And it's a Honda, right? Accord? It's a Honda Accord, two thousand seven. Yeah. Hondas right, are known. They're known for um, like uh, catalytic converters. Yeah, it rusts out too. over time. Even a little pinhole inside a muffler, like that long exhaust pipe, can make you sound like you're rumbling through the streets, even if it's like tiny. It or feels... someone came and stole your catalytic converter Ooh. while you were sleeping. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good. I never it's really got thought platinum about in it, it yeah. so they melt them down. That's right. Is that a real thing? That can't yeah. Be a real yeah. Thing. yeah, no, it oh is. A guy when I sold my Honda Civic, a gentleman called me. I was only asking eight hundred for the whole car. Hmm. And it was running perfect. Yeah, it was like missing. It just needed an exhaust, exhaust, which would have yeah. cost. No, it had a yeah. full exhaust. It just had a hole in it. Yeah, so yeah, they wanted yeah. twenty one hundred for a, a, a factory exhaust because for some reason in that car the O two sensors mm. wouldn't read. And in New York State, when you do uh, exhaust Inspect, tests yeah. inspections, they will not pass it with an aftermarket part with the O two sensor not reading. So this guy calls me up and says, "Hey, I saw you selling your car on Craigslist." Would you be willing to sell me the catalytic converter? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to lie. We melt him down. I'm thinking to myself, I'm not giving this guy my address. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's going to see other catalytic converters he can check. (laughs) So I found this list. This is from cartalk.com. And this is the 10 worst things that your mechanic can tell you that are wrong with your car. Okay. All right. Number one. Seized engine due to lack of oil. So if you run your car with no oil, yep, you're talking about three thousand dollars for a new used engine, or ten thousand dollars up to ten thousand for a remanufactured engine. Yeah, is that like head gaskets and all that good good stuff, or is that exist somewhere else? Oh, I don't know. Head gaskets, I think, is something different. Well, head gaskets blow with they're, also they're lack of oil. Uh, number two is a hydro-locked engine. I don't know what that means. Probably something with water. That means uh, there's a certain... pump or a water pump. That looks to be water inside your engine cylinder. Water inside air yeah, droplet water. air yeah, air inside your cylinder. That'll cost you three to ten thousand dollars as well. 
And those got to be rare. Not the lack of oil. I feel like people drive their cars with no oil on them all the time. That shit probably happens all the time. But getting air or like water in your engine's got to be like, would you go in the lake? Overheated engine as well on this list. That'll also get you around 10K yeah. if you don't catch it. But that one apparently you should. That'll blow to... your head gasket. That's the head gasket then. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Gasket. Okay, 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 okay. That's number five okay, on this okay. list. And that's my number one. Every car I've ever had in my entire yes. life. Has That's had this poor problem. maintenance, by the way. Yes, very poor maintenance. Uh, cracked head gasket, blown head gasket, or cracked block. It's the kiss of death. It is indeed the kiss of death. Every car, I was like, this is the end. They're never worth Because well, then the garage it. says, hey, I think I can fix it. I can fix it. And they go through a head gasket, and they spend 18 hours trying to fix it just to tell you, well, when it blew, it warped. Yeah, or cracked the top gas or the thing. top yeah. uh, snapped something else. We part, didn't yeah. uh, <laughs> broken timing belt. This is number six. Uh, again, I'm curious whether my squeak <laughs> is from my brakes or from a timing belt of some sort. It feels like it's my brakes because it feels like it's in rhythm whenever I stop the car. <laughs> Do you uh, know what I mean? It could be a belt. Uh, yeah, it's either a belt if it's when you're starting a car, but if it's when you're stopping, I'm gonna go with either your rotors. Your rotors. Your pads could be down to metal. Yeah. But that's be more of a grinding. Yeah, is it or like a it metal could be your actual scrape? ball joints in your tires as well. That'd be bad. Or oh. your hubs. So I had one in the Scion where I'd replace the hubs, and that's what your actual tire sits on. Yeah, not the mm. not the. Uh, it's the the circular, basically yeah, 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 on your yeah, axle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So have you? Uh, did you ever think in your life like? Yeah, this is what I could do, like car mechanic. Like, so was there ever a moment anywhere in your life? I think there was like a ten minute period. My grandpa who passed away when I was younger was notorious for if we were going to his house had something in a garage that he was working on all of the time yeah had he not passed when i was like six i feel like naturally i would have just been doing something because he was 100 percent inside that garage working on cars as a hobby and as a job well, right like seems, he was a car guy it seems so that i probably would have been exposed by accident that generation i think they had to know how to fix small gas yep. engines the problem now a lot is easier like you're to starting to get into crazy computer technology yeah. and cars it used to be a yeah, lot easier yeah, yeah. it used to be a way well, easier cars were not made the way that cell phones are now where they are meant to sort of yeah. deteriorate well, at a certain rate blame, you could have a car from 1960 yeah. and if you open up the engine you could kind of figure out how everything works. You could works. sit in it. You could look at, yeah, <laughs> it. I open up my Honda, and I can kind of tell what I'm looking at. I'm like, I guess that's the engine right there. There's I mean, that's tubes. after labor is taking out a water pump to get to a radiator, where like but the radiator is a cheap fix, but the water pump takes hours to take out type of thing, where yeah, it's like you're location. paying more. Yeah, the car mechanics do not want you to be able to fix your own car. And car companies, who, car companies don't want, you, don't to, want yeah. you to be able to have a car that lasts for 50 I always years. Use they the, want you to buy a new one I always use every time you release Cash for clunkers, right? The yeah. the crash of the automobile stuff. But, like, I had a Jeep during that time. That Jeep was in 1990. We're talking the cash for clunkers is 2002, 2003, maybe, mm-hmm. four-ish. When the uh, cars collapse, they get a bailout. They want you buying new cars every five years yeah. because... If you sit on that used car mark, that's why inspections are different, right? Like, they're more difficult to get your car yep. inspected because they don't want you to keep that thing. They want you to have to go get a new car because it just benefits the economy that way, right? Like, so being a mechanic today they're probably made not lighter nearly too. as fun as being a mechanic back in the day. Uh, cars dent so easy now, and I noticed that with my, my uh, Tiguan, yeah. is I bumped my backpack and it put a small ding in it. Yep. Luckily, I already had another one from someone in Walmart parking lot, so I got them <laughs> both out. fixed at the same time, but I mean, it's, you can yeah, feel luckily, it. Yeah, someone when, 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 you sh- when you shut the door, yeah. you can just, 
you just see, feel the yeah. difference. Like, yeah. it's just, they're not made... Like, if you, you shot a door on a car from, like, the 80s, even the 90s, it's heavy. You need two like, hands. The doors are heavy. <laughs> yeah. My, Double hands. Yeah, I had a... My, one of my last cars before I went to New York, probably the last car I owned before this Honda, was a 1992 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. And it had the bench seating in the front. Yes. It was big and heavy and metal. And let me tell you... World War II tank. It was a monster. <laughs> like, right? And again, that's... Even 91, that's a car you open up the hood. You're like, yeah, that's an engine. Those are those are things that I can recognize. Pistons and such, right? It it feels like a different thing. And that car drove pretty well for a car that was damn near, you know, 20 years old when I got it. So I mean, Cadillac had an air ride in 87. Because I drove, an, I used to drive an 87 Eldorado. Yeah. I had a digital... That uh, speedometer yeah. that that <laughs> reflected up on the windshield so yep. I could see it. Oh man! And it had air rides, so I mean, you'd be doing seventy miles an hour. Hence, why I had all those tickets back. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be doing seventy, and you're just like, it's like this air adjusted, so you don't feel any bumps. It's just if my car goes seventy, it feels like it's gonna burst into flames. It's like a NASA ship going through the ozone layer. It's like, <laughs> what, was, <laughs> what was the first car you remember your parents having as a kid that you remember the car you drove in like everywhere? Mine was an '89 Mercury Cougar. '89 Mercury Cougar. That's uh, was it red? Because I feel like no, every gold. Mercury gold. gold. I feel like every Mercury Cougar ended I saw. up being total because we hit a deer with it when I was like maybe it must have lasted me. I must have been eight to ten years old too, so it lasted quite a while. A Mercury Cougar is a car that I thought was cool as a kid because it was oh, called great. a Mercury Cougar. But then you look at it and you're like, it's not that Luxurious. Cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not that Let cool. me tell you, we took that to like Georgia and everything. Yeah. And my buddy uh, later in life, I, my roommate then. Jared had the red one. So uh, years later, I had a friend who had one like we had when I was a kid and it still rocked even in the early 2000s. Uh, my mom drove a Ford Tempo. For Tempo, For yes. Tempo, that was your first like. Yeah, that I can remember because yeah. it was like 1990. 1990, yeah. Weird. Tempo. We were banging White. around a lot of cars. Back. We were banging around a lot of cars back in the day. Like we, because I had two older sisters, and my mom had a car, and my dad had a car. So my dad had uh, like a Windstar. Like a van, like a wood panel Windstar <laughs> for a while. Um, Those are great. It was a, it was a beast. Uh, and then my mom, I want to say this is the car I remember the most. It was a black and gray 1992 Pontiac Grand Am. Grand like Am. Two door Grand, Grand, Grand Am. Yeah, they were hot for a minute. And uh, yeah. when I remember, no, they the, changed the Alero. The Alero. <laughs> That's right. Wow. That's really good. Uh, and then what I remember the most about that car is it was a coupe. Number one, but number two, when you opened the door, the seatbelt was attached. To the door, so it would like it would you'd walk yeah. in and the seatbelt was already like on you, and you just had to do your lap seatbelt. Yeah. Or if you put uh, the seat down, the belt would just like. You talk about things you thought were the wave of the future in '92. I was like, wow, the seatbelt's already on. Ooh. What a, what a <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, that was the car that I actually assumed would have been my first car when I was ready to drive. Like as a kid, I was like, oh, I guess that'll be mine, right? Shout out to my sister Kelly who had a. 1988, like, Pontiac Le Mans, like, uh, whatever you call it, hatchback. <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? The little hatchback style. What was your first car, then? Like, the Wayne's World Escort? Yeah. <laughs> what was your first car? My first car, um, like your, Chev- Chevy Corsica. Chevy Corsica. Chevy Corsica. Those were hot for a minute. I had it for two weeks. Is that his yeah. name? <laughs> and my buddy, I was crewing with a car full of friends. You know what you do. <laughs> and my buddy thought it'd be funny to... Hit the shifter into neutral. Well, while we had driving. music blasting while I'm driving. So I'm doing 60. I'm like, and I'm still slowing down. I turn the music down. It's going. Rrr. I look down. It's in neutral. Blew the head gasket. And they could not fix it. It warped <laughs> the whole thing. That's how bad it was. Huh. 
And somehow so I made it from first the valley. valley for two weeks. You made valley it from all the, the way up to, up, so up to the hill. Can I get no, that year again? What year that car was? It was, um, I believe, what, a 90... No, it was like a... I want to say a 96, maybe, 97. And it was a Chevy what? Corsica. Corsica. Chevy Corsica. And it was four doors. Four-door maroon. Four-door maroon. Yeah. I remember those What was your first car, Park? 1988 Nissan pickup truck. I don't even think it had, like, a model. It was just a Nissan pickup. It was a little tiny Nissan All square, though? Yeah, all square. It's like the Nissan version of a Ranger. Yeah, pretty much, yep. I saw, like, an S10. Yeah, it was an S10. Yeah, literally, 1988. And that shit rusted right out on the bed and everything over the... I had it for, like, two years, and by the time it was done, the bed was, like, just... Gone. <laughs> for any uh, for any listeners out there who want to do their research, if you go onto my SF Doom Instagram page and you go back far enough, somewhere there's a picture of me in New York City in front of Blue and Gold Restaurant slash Scotch Bar at two in the morning, doing a squat in front of a stranger's 1990 Nissan truck. It's an amazing truck. Yeah. It yes. looks so good. Yeah. I was like, was it's not even gray. mine. I was like, take a picture of me. Mine I got a kid in front of mine me. Mine was all gray. And it's funny because when I was a kid, that was the truck my dad had. He had Well, not the truck I had, but he had a white 92 Nissan. Gave it to my grandpa <laughs> when he got a new truck. And then years later, I randomly bought like an 88 Nissan. And yeah. I got it in Maine because my dad was lived there. And this old guy, his wife passed away and just wanted to get rid of the truck. So I was like, you could buy this truck. It was 600 bucks. I just had to meet my dad in Maine, and I drove it all the way back. That thing lasted me for many, two years, two and a half years for $600, first truck ever. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I had uh, like 81,000 miles on it for a 1988 and like 2002. You know, I credit my buddy Mike, though, because my car after that, which it took a whole nother year, so yeah. I had to save up. Was a two door whole another year, two weeks, and then you were out <laughs> for a year. Well, I drove my mom's car around. Yeah. But she wasn't very happy with that. So. <laughs> we, uh, so, my second car, which I would consider my first car now, is uh, it was a Ford Explorer Sport, mm. 1994 two door five speed, and I had so you drove it. You learned this to was drive before a stick super tint laws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was before tint laws, like major tint laws. So. Yeah. My whole high school career before tint yeah, so, Well, no, so it had a presidential tint. Like, it was black. You could not see. You could barely see out of it in the back seats. <laughs> and the front tint, I had to get it um, reduced because, like, it was weird driving at night. Couldn't and, see anything. And uh, I had the, the um, I can't remember what the brand was, but the chameleon deck. Yes. So it went flat. And then it flipped over. The CD Yo, player? That yeah, was yeah. in the a real specific era when having like a deck Everybody, yeah. in your car was a you big deal. You know how deal. much money I made putting other people's CD players into their cars? Oh, dude. It changed all uh, neon, and then uh, you know I had to have the 215s in the back bumping. Of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, uh, I have it pulled up here for you. Uh, I paid $1,000 for it. It was my first automobile. It is a... 19. Oh my god, that's yes. that's a 1987 Honda Accord. Did those lights get stuck one on the light? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you may have noted it has the flip up lights, which the viewers can't see. I had the flip up headlights, which in central New York's freezing cold upstate winters, where the ice and snow gets all jammed up on the front of it, <laughs> no. so it's a real fucking uh, it's real exciting to try and pry your windows out, your lights out <laughs> in the center of the day. Oh my god, what a nightmare! And it was a thousand dollars. It had one of those car bras over the front to make it look sleeker. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Like over the front of the car. I think this I drove a it. Car bra. A car bra. I think it. I think it lasted for like three months. It had a, an old carburetor in it, and what that means for folks who don't know is if it the wasn't working, 
I had to like get a can of spray, spray yeah, and yeah. spray the carburetor to yep. get the car working. It was a, it was like a yeah, 50... but spraying the car probably worked every time for a while. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah for a little bit. Uh, what happened is like that car became a 50-50 concept of whether it would ever start. Like anytime I would get in the car, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe it'll start. In I don't know. Danger zone territory where it's like, am I actually? I'm going to work tomorrow, but yeah. am I? Driving my own car there. Right? That car <laughs> drove. I drove home in a snowstorm in that car, and the front tires blew out, and the rims got bent, and I ended up just towing it away. <laughs> it's like fuck it, this is the end. That happened to me it with died. my uh, 1990 Jeep. I got stuck at work, and there was a security guard there that I actually went to high school with. Randomly enough, a completely different town. Wouldn't start, and he's like, "Oh, these old things. You got to put a screwdriver on the starter and whack it with a yep. hammer." And it'll like re like knock it the ticking in or something like that. So I did that for probably two months. Every time it wouldn't start, I'd just be out in a parking lot somewhere, smashing the starter with a hammer and a screwdriver, <laughs> being like, "It's got to work, right?" Like, so uh, I have a couple other non-car things I wanted to get to before we get to this week's uh, the rest of the show. Did you have any other hot car takes before we close out here? Are you looking at car stuff over there? Yeah, I was trying to find the Ford Explorer. <laughs> I haven't owned uh, one since 2015. Uh, I just wanted to shout out for all the folks who seem to like uh, Justin and I's Instagram video that I shared. Oh, of the card trick. Of doing the one-handed uh, card cool. cut. Uh, Zach, you feel like a guy who'd be good. Are you a good card handler? Are you good at like dealing cards, decks of cards? Yeah, I mean, I can deal. Can shuffle? I can shuffle. Yeah. Can you do the one-handed card, card cut? He's more of a ca- uh, card counter. Card counter. Not a card cutter. I'm actually <laughs> Are you a man? you... Do you like like card magic? Do you watch like magicians and stuff? I mean, I like a David Blaine card magic. You David know, Blaine, someone that's very like you. You could hold both of his hands, his wrists. You could, and his hands are right in front of you. There's no look at this. He does it with short sleeve shirt on. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't know what the hell he did, where the card went. How did he get this folded up card inside of a shop, uh, personal yes. shop bottle into my pocket <laughs> with my wife's wedding ring, who wasn't even there? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Blaine, so Blaine's production, it's all planned, you're part of the act. Uh, Much like everything else, I have a peg for this, which is, we've been watching a lot of music, uh, magic stuff at the house, that's how we got to do the card thing. Yeah, trapdoor. Trap, (laughs) trapdoor. But, uh, I found a list, again, the ten most successful magicians throughout history. History. Alright, so here you go. This Houdini count. Houdini's Houdini's number one. Okay, Houdini's number one on this list, before, no spoiler alert. He was also, um... He did almost like what David Blaine does with like uh, extreme physical endurance challenges. Body stuff, yeah. He's less yeah. of a magician, more like contortionist, yeah. almost like a guru in a weird way. It has that sort of like mystic sort of vibe, right? Once refused yeah. to fart for a month. Exactly. <laughs> uh, number 10, I'll give you the first name, Val Valentino. You know who that is? No. No. Would I tell, if I tell you his name was also Masked Magician, do you know who I, do you know who he is? I can tell you what his trick well, was. See, on America's Got Talent. He. Ooh. He was the guy from the 1990s Fox television show Breaking the Magician's Code, oh, Magic's out. Biggest Secret. That's right. He wore this crazy mask, yep. Yep. and he would tell how all yep. the magicians did their tricks. He was down brief- with him. They hate him. He yeah, they briefly- and rightfully so. <laughs> he was briefly very uh, infamous in the, mu- in the magic community. Well, he's banned from the Alliance, probably. Uh, number nine is a guy named James Randi. Not a super... Randi. <laughs> That's immediately what I thought. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about Mr. Randi... Uh, He's a magician, but he also started something called the JREF for skeptics. He's a skeptic of people who claim they are real magicians, like they have power. Yeah, so he's right? like the wrestler who's like, no, this isn't real. You know, he's against yeah. the mentalists, so, like the guys that are... Yeah, he has a foundation 
where they will offer anyone $1 million if they can actually prove that they have some sort of otherworldly power or thing that he can't disprove. So, I'll at this his, point, no one has cashed it in. I'll use mind power and make his head explode, and he'll never be able to prove it. Will he still, ca- will he still pay? If he's dead, dead. Well, <laughs> uh, <number laughs> it's, will. it's in his will. Uh, number eight, David Blaine, obviously. I like David Blaine better when he was doing the card stuff. Now, I so feel you like... You look like a mind freak guy. You were Chris Angel? No, Chris Angel I'm not type. a big Chris Angel guy. <laughs> Blaine is the kind of guy, though, it's like, is it a magic trick to freeze yourself in a block of ice? He's going to float in balloons over the Hudson River. He's going to float in balloons so, over the Hudson River. No, he, he moved to Arizona. He was just on Joe Rogan. He explained that it. his idol was Houdini. Yeah. Yep. Houdini did magic, make people disappear, you know, saw the box type stuff, but he also did these crazy endurance yep. type things, like physical, like mind over matter, basically, right. to where Holding your breath, he got the ice thing from Houdini was supposed to, before he passed, he was supposed to be buried alive. And um, he actually died before he did it, but they had a crazy mm-hmm. poster, and he has like one of the original posters. Yeah. And so he was actually buried alive as well, David Blaine. But the ice, he said, was like extremely like you start hallucinating. Yeah, and I bet. All that. Uh, I'll skip past some of the less obvious ones. I'll just blow through some of these names real quick. Have you guys ever heard of somebody named Lance Burton from the? He's like a Vegas magician from back in the day. Yeah, he's yeah. got to be like the rabbit and the hat guy or something. Yeah, Shin Lam. Apparently, he's the best. Yeah, yeah, he's the best guy to ever go on. Like Shin Lim. Pen and t- is that what it is? Shin Lim? Yeah. Yeah, 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 there you go. He's on AGT. He won AGT yeah. champions and the season. I want to say. Apparently, he's super legit. I've he's never seen him. Very good. Yeah. Uh, David Devant, who was born in 1868, one of the earliest magicians. Oh, I know him. Of course, your guy. <laughs> That's my boy. Uh, <laughs> Apollo Robbins. You watch a lot of AT- AGT. That name sounds familiar. Apollo to Robbins. No. Uh, how about David Copperfield? Dead, right? No, mauled. No, that was nope. Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, they got mauled. Copperfield was just like the world's most famous magician, and now he's sort of like remember that guy. Like now, well, he had he was like one of the first big Vegas names, big time. Yeah, yeah, big time. He has a dozen Guinness World Records. He's collected twenty one Emmys throughout his career. He's had like five hundred yeah. girlfriends. Super <laughs> successful. He does all sorts of like large scale stuff though. So he's like gonna vanish an airplane or escape from Alcatraz or some wild thing like that. He's not doing card tricks. He's right. gonna do some flashy. Showman type situation. Number two is Penn and Teller. We watch a lot of Penn and Teller highlights. Yeah, I just think they're they have the best act. It's like it's the best presentation. It's yeah. the best presentation. Yeah. It's like we're smart guys. Here's how magic tricks are done. We're going to show you how it's done, but then we're going to do another magic trick and not tell you how it's done, and you're going to be yeah. even more. Well, that's away what I like because we gave you a little. Right, and now you want yeah, more. It makes well, you they can tell you how you to know. do it, and you still can't do it. Right, but what it'll do when they set up another trick, though, you're now thinking you know the trick based on mm-hmm. what they told you before, and they're really just doing something completely different. Your mind's already been messed with because you're like, oh, I've, I've seen this. I know this one. It's like, no, you didn't. We were just messing with you by telling you this one yeah. so we could throw you off on the next one, you know? So you, now you're looking at my sleeves. I'm going to pull it from oh, Yeah, I'm over here with the quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all misdirection, right? That's like And the one thing, step ahead, they said. Everything's yeah. got to be... That's why everything's like paced right. in time, because you want to be in like a rhythm and one step ahead of the audience. So, All right, well, we've, uh, we did magic in cars. We never got to Utica Wrestling history. I guess I'll save that yeah, for we'll next time that, yeah. you're on. Um, it is cover song week on the podcast, though, and I asked Justin a little bit before he got on. Zach, you're a notorious local DJ. What's one of your, what's a, one of your favorite cover songs of all time? One of your favorite cover songs of all time that you can share with our listeners this week? Man, I would say it would be, um, I want to say it's As As Yet, and they did Peter Cetera's 
Hard for me to say I'm sorry. Hard That's for me R&B. To say I'm sorry. If you're looking for an, a more uh, sensual, mine's Bill Sachs doing. This is how you. This is how, this we, how do we do it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna add that to the playlist if I can find it. Yeah, right? I made like a cover song playlist. Justin, did you have one? You were mentioning one earlier. That you were yes. Talking. I don't know if it counts as a cover because it's John Farnham's song. Yeah. Um, but he plays um, "You're the Voice" with Coldplay mm-hmm. at Live Eight in Australia. Yep. So it's like Coldplay providing the backing instrument stuff while he does the song. So it's kind. It is a cover. I. Uh, because it's, yeah. he's not doing it with his normal... It's just a different take on the song, too. Like, yeah, yeah. Justice I mean, number I two know. is Alien Ant Farm. Yeah, Smooth 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 No, uh, Darling Nikki, Foo Fighters. Darling Nikki by the Foo Fighters. Yeah. I can put that one on for sure. I think that song by Prince is like his greatest piece of work. Uh, like He's getting worked by a lady. Never does Prince get worked by a lady, and this time he does. It's oh. just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, anything going on with uh, photos, DJ, Mad Props, anything going on? Yeah, we're starting to book COVID. again. Yeah, we're starting to book again, though. <laughs> we're starting to book again. Um, I can't disclose certain information, but I am doing a couple. You know, I'm doing a wedding that's on the low, large <laughs> gathering. <laughs> yeah, don't look for me. Uh, and Justin, uh, you'll never see me with a giant glowing cube. I'm gonna be in a giant <laughs> bubble. And Justin made unique updates for us before we had out um, here. Um, I don't know. I think we're gonna do like a juggling class in two weeks. I'm oh, a with uh, yeah, I talked to him. That's yeah. my buddy Dan. Yeah, Dan Rudolph, good, yeah. good guy. We'll talk he to him. He wants to juggle like, axes. He can. He's like been all over, like India and all these things. I'm a very much yeah, He's very. Uh, he's an interesting guy, but he yeah. wants to do some juggling. I think it'd be cool to go down there and do some social distant juggling stuff. He's a good guy. We'll talk about that too. I'll get. I'm gonna get him on at some point. We got stuff coming up this month. I don't know. We'll have to find. All right, uh, back to the show, folks. Thanks to Zach. Thanks to Justin. Appreciate you, boys. Let's uh, let's go watch wrestling. <laughs> back to the show. That's why the new laptop's coming. That's why it's now coming, I see. man. Now I see. I'm still trying to put a, a head on when I got this computer. Because I must have had this computer before I went to New York. Correct. Because that can't be real. Sure it is. Has this computer really been going that long? Yeah. People crap on the Apple product. I'll tell you what. This MacBook, <laughs> it's survived. I've done bad stuff to this computer. Spilled orange juice and mm-hmm. water and food all over it. All sorts of stuff. I'm stunned. Absolutely stunned. I should be knocking on wood because yeah, this computer doesn't still come gotta last for, for another couple weeks. Two weeks. Uh, yeah. Settle down. Um, what's the last like big purchase you made? Like big investment purchase? Um, Car, I suppose maybe. Um, I mean, that was certainly the biggest amongst. Yeah, I'm trying to think for like big purchase. I yeah. guess probably last time we bought a car. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose I can't think of something else otherwise that was like big, big. I mean, I was about to spend some money because I was supposed to go to Europe in uh, May. Okay. So I was about to spend some money there, but I didn't end up doing that. Obviously, you're basically almost on vacation right now, aren't you? Don't you have like, you have like two responsibilities left, and you're on vacation, aren't you? Yeah, little I mean, a couple, <laughs> couple more than that, a couple more than that. But yeah, pretty close. I mean, it's 
like the rest of the world, you know, everybody's locked down, everybody's nobody's working, no, nobody's back to normal, or most people aren't back to normal. No, it's true. If you're anybody who makes money off people gathering in public in any different way, shape, mm. or form, you're still heavily furloughed. Yeah, it's true. Uh, all right, let's do the history lessons this week, and I'm going to tell you right now, I, I've tried to cut these down as much as... I spent like an hour this morning trying to get this history lesson down to the nitty-gritty, like the bit points. Jeez. Uh, it's tough. Uh, on this day... Uh, Aaron Burr is acquitted of plotting to annex parts of Louisiana and Spanish territory in Mexico to be used toward becoming an establishment for an independent republic. So on this day, 1807, Aaron Burr got caught or got acquitted for trying to start his own country. Separate country. <laughs> That's really bold. You must <laughs> He was acquitted. He didn't do it. <laughs> uh, I feel like Aaron Burr got like new like relevance because of Hamilton. Of course. Because of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh again, most famously, I think the people think the thing that most people remember about Aaron Burr mm -hmm. is the duel. Yep. Uh I love the idea of a duel. Uh apparently these affairs of honors, like a duel was commonplace in this time. But there's like complex rules. Like that's kind of a misnomer. Like duels were common. But it was also common that much like jury duty, you would reach a resolution before any guns were fired. Right. Like it was very rare right. that you were ever going to court. Right? You were never going to trial. Uh, in this case, though, Hamilton was outspoken that he had been involved in several affairs and uh, affairs of honor in his life, and he had resolved most of them peacefully. So he wasn't worried. Aaron Burr was like, "Nah, <laughs> we're doing Miss it. Me. We're, it's going down. We're going." down uh they met at 7 a.m on in july 11th 1804 there's conflicting accounts of what happened next according to his second uh, hamilton second in command hamilton decided the duel was morally wrong and deliberately fired into the air okay burr uh said no no <laughs> and he shot Grand tradition of southern gentlemen said knock if you buck <laughs> <laughs> uh burr shot hamilton in the stomach and the bullet lodged next to his spine. Right. So remember, yes, Hamilton may have the moral high ground here, mm. but now he's buried under the moral high ground because he did. So there you go. Not he's on the 10 and he's got the musical. <laughs> and it's true. Aaron Burr's just dead. Aaron Burr's just dead. I guess that's true. Uh, Aaron Burr was charged with murder in New York and New Jersey. Uh, Burr was still vice president, though. Mm. So he returned to D.C. where he finished his term. Immune from prosecution. What a wild time. That's, I'll tell you what, one of the things, being somebody who is a, is a student in history and knows yeah. a good amount about history and American history uh, is helpful during these crazy times we live in now. Because mm -hmm. not to make light of any wild stuff that's going on right now, and we're certainly at a very, very precarious time as a country. But to see some of the other wild stuff yeah. that's happened in our history and know we made it through that too gives me some hope when things are wild in the news. So... Like I was saying, this Aaron Burr thing happens. This is 1804. The thing we're talking about, though, is 1807. So this is actually before all of this happens. And this is kind of why Burr is, like, sort of discredited. And this is why he concedes to this plot along with James Wilkerson, who is the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Army. Mm. He wants to seize the Louisiana Territory and establish an independent empire, which Burr presumably would lead. Uh, he contacted the British government and unsuccessfully pleaded for assistance in the scheme. Later, when border trouble with Spanish Mexico heated up, Burr and Wilkerson uh, conspired to seize territory in Spanish America for the same purpose. In the fall of 1806, he leads a group of well-armed colonists toward New Orleans, 
prompting an immediate U.S. investigation. Uh, the General Wilkerson, in an effort to save himself, turns against Burr and sends dispatch to Washington, uh, accusing Burr of treason. So mm. Wilkerson sells out Burr uh, to save himself. So in February uh, 1807, Burr is arrested in Louisiana and sent to Virginia to be tried in U.S. court. He's acquitted on a technicality. Nevertheless, the public considers him a traitor, and he goes in exile to Europe. He later returned to private life in New York. Murder charges against him were forgotten, and he died in 1836. Wow. <laughs> I can buy what an outrageous story. Oh, man. Uh, again, I know that's long, but I couldn't get it any shorter than that. There's, I, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it is. Try. We look back at like this time, like we, the greater time in American history. Yo, my man shot the president. No, and, that's all propaganda. <laughs> that's man. all wild propaganda. They lied about. <laughs> my man that's shot. what we mean. Oh my god. This is whitewashing. Uh, uh, this man shot the president. This is another one that I I don't know how I'm gonna sho- shove this one down into like a shorter shorter one. 1939, on this day, uh, Germany invades Poland. 1.5 million German troops. In- <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to hand wave World War II. I don't know how I'm going to hand wave this away. Uh, invade Poland along its 1,750-mile border. Um, let me get to the part, I guess, that people don't tend to know, right? Mm. Um, Some education for our listeners. Education stuff, right? Let's see. In 1941, uh, oh, sorry, let me, let me move farther back, right? Germany is on one side of Poland. Uh, the Soviets are on the other. Mm-hmm. Poland doesn't know that the Germans and the Soviets already have a pact in place. Saying that whatever happens, the Soviets are going to take half of Russia. And the Germans are going to take uh, half. Uh, the Soviets are going to take half of Poland. And the Germans are going to take half. Sure. So these Polish, these poor Polish folks are out here defending their life and land, waiting for some sort of help from the Soviets who are on their west coast, and they're just not coming. They're mm. there, but they're not doing anything. No. And they're just waiting. German forces advance on Poland in a dazzling rate. Uh, this is some of the first time you saw the military strategy known as Blitzkrieg. You know what Blitzkrieg actually means in, in English? Mm. Lightning War. That's what yeah. Blitzkrieg means. Uh, and of course, uh, at this time, Germany was known for their intense air force, the Luftwaffen. I always mm. screw that title up, Luftwaffen. They just destroyed Polish air capacity. Polish army was able to mobilize one million men, but was hopelessly outmatched in every respect. Uh, German forces had reached the outskirts of Warsaw, advancing 140 miles within a first week of their invasion. Uh, again, man, it's it's a wild part of history what the Germans did to Poland. They really, like, raised it to the ground. Yeah. Uh, just destroyed tons and tons of Polish culture and every part of their history... Uh, just dark, dark times, man. Look back at history. It tends to repeat itself. I don't know what else to say for you guys. It happens all the time. That's why, that's why you do these history lessons. That's right? why I do them. Uh, on this day, 1947, are you guys tired of seeing the president on TV? Well, you can blame this man in 1947, who was the first president to ever appear on television. It was Harry Truman, the very mm-hmm. first president to ever appear on television from the White House on this day, 1947. 47, asking Americans to cut back on their use of grain. Mm. <laughs> you gotta cut back on that grain. Cut back on that grain. Too much uh, grain. At the Simpler t- times. At the time of food conservation speech, Europe was still recovering from World War II and suffering from famine. 
Truman, the 33rd commander-in-chief, worried that if the U.S. didn't provide food aid, his administration's Marshall Plan for European Economic Recovery would fall apart. Asked farmers and distillers to reduce grain use and requested that the public voluntarily forego meat on Tuesdays, eggs and poultry on Thursdays, and save a slice of bread each day. So for all you nerds out there who are like, I don't want to wear a mask, it's oppressive. We gave up eating grain for a day in 1947. We mm-hmm. gave up eggs. We gave, gave up all poultry. Sorts of stuff. All we sorts gave of stuff up bread. They had a book that you had to stamp. You were only allowed certain stuff for a week. So don't sit yeah. here and tell me how inconvenient you, you know are. You know what we did in 1918? We wore masks. We wore masks. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, each of Truman's subsequent white hot species, including... I feel like I'm just whacking the bees' uh, nest. I'm just getting stirred up. Include his 1949 <laughs> uh, inaugural address was televised. In 1948, Truman was the first presidential candidate to broadcast a paid political ad as well. So mm-hmm. if you don't like paid political ads, 1948, also, also blame Harry Truman. Blame Thomas Dewey. <laughs> on this day... Uh, let's move on. On this day, 1997, Princess Diana died in a car crash. And mm-hmm. we can go through the story, but I think... I don't know why, but this is probably the first, like, celebrity death that wasn't, like, OJ that I remember. I remember this being, like, a big story. I don't think OJ died, man. Uh, oh, not OJ. Uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, this was a weird, like, I don't know why. I didn't care about the British royalty in 1997, but this mm. story was such a big deal that, like, we all... Well, Princess Diana was different. It was, it was different than when you say you don't care about the British royalty now. It's not... It was much different. Mm-hmm. The notion of Princess Diana and her level of fame uh, across the world, and specifically in America, was just... The reason that people even pay attention now is because mm-hmm. of Princess Diana at that time and how large at scale it was. That is correct. She's affectionately known as the People's Princess. She was one of the most famous public figures in the world. Her death was met with massive outpourings of grief. Mourners began visiting Kensington Park immediately, leaving bouquets at the home of the princess, known as Lady Di. I think the big story about this was paparazzi. I feel like that was the big talking point mm-hmm. about her being sure. hounded by paparazzi in her car, and that was to be blamed for the crash. However, it was later revealed that the driver was under the influence of alcohol and prescription drugs. Doesn't imply that the paparazzi isn't also involved, right? I can't imagine. That's like the one thing that I, when we were younger and when I would have played in bands, I definitely wanted to be famous. It's not like a dumb thing to say when you're 35. When I was 18 playing in bands, I wanted to be like the most popular sure. band in the world. Because that's what you want to do when you're sure. a kid. Sure, sure, But man, it would suck so bad to be like a certain level of famous where it's like, I just can't go anywhere. Nowhere mm. to be seen. Uh, I saw a weird video today. This is a total offshoot. It was, uh, it was a gif of Jonah Hill on the street. Mm. And he's oh, just yeah, yeah. and uh, and Leonardo DiCaprio is walking the street and runs up to him with his phone like he's paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And if you look closely, you can see Jonah Hill like freak out mm-hmm. and then realize that it's a person he knows and gives him a hug. And I was thinking to myself, that probably happens all the time, though. Absolutely. You're this person. Not even paparazzi. People just, just run people. Up to you. Anybody who sees oh, you come running God. up with their phone out, being oh. like, "Oh my God, look at this! I saw so and so in the street." No, I'm just being all that. Oh my God. I, there's, I have no desire for fame. I'm rich is great. Fame, no. <laughs> you don't need it. Oh, don't need it. Man. I'd like to be less famous now. I want less people to know about me. <laughs> uh, Diana's funeral in London on September 6th was watched by over 2 billion people. She was survived by her two sons, Prince William, who was 15 at the time, and Prince Harry. Which one is the one who's in? Who's here now? Which one's married to Meghan Markle? The house? Uh, Prince Harry. <laughs> He's here now. Harry. They're better off now. Little here. known fact, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle live in the apartment upstairs <laughs> from us. <laughs> I feel like good for them getting out, but like, for sure. if I had mad money, 
They probably still have bad. They're money. still gonna make. Still money. have yeah. bad money. That's yeah, they're true. gonna. They're people. They they can't not have money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the people will just pay them. Other people for anything. Are there people who are wicked famous who don't have money? Famous but don't have money. Criminals, sure. I suppose. Sure. I, mean, <laughs> I guess if you're in jail. Criminals are people who have like famously lost their money. A lot of people famous famously lost their, their money. money. But I yeah, guess, certainly. I mean, you can be famous without having money. Like a journalist. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> it's like a, I don't know. Like I, like a podcasters are famous. Some don't make money. I'm not. We're not famous. Don't make any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, who's the most famous person who makes the least amount of money? Someone tell me who the most famous person by ratio of the least amount of money is. Are there's like, who's that? The homeless guy on YouTube who had the voice? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that guy gets money now. Nice. But yeah, there's got to be. There's something we're not thinking of. There's, there's something, something, we're not there's something really of. obvious we're not thinking of just because the framing of the question is really yeah. strange. Uh, on this day, uh, 1999, The Chicks. That's right, just The Chicks released their fifth studio album, Fly, the group that used to be known as the Dixie Chicks, uh, had tracks, had a lot of tracks on this album that were hot hits. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw some names of these tracks at you. Let mm-hmm. me know if you know any of them. Because I'm i familiar with the Dixie Chicks and some of their music. I'm sorry, the Chicks. Still used to get them, call them the Chicks. Sure. Ready to Run. Do you know that one? Maybe. Do you know Cowboy Take Me Away? It's possible. Without You? I heard it. Goodbye Earl? I do know that one actually. Mm. That's the one that's like the the video has like someone famous in it where it's like the about the wives killing their shitty husband. I'm aware that they have a song where that goes on, but I don't I don't yeah. I wouldn't know it. I don't think I heard it. So I'm not even gonna give a bother. There's a bunch more on here. This yeah. album earned four Grammy nominations. Group won two Best Country Performance uh, and Best Country Album. Uh, they most recently have been famous for changing their name and dropping mm-hmm. the Dixie from their name. Uh, I give the I give them a lot of respect because I feel like they're their primary audience probably does not care for that. <laughs> I feel like. Well, yeah, but they were the primary audience was already out with the already out. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which you know, whine about cancel culture more, you disingenuous <laughs> losers. <laughs> uh, wide open spaces. That's the one song I knew by them that I wouldn't have to be prompted to listen to. Wide open spaces. That's mm. probably their most famous one for me. Well, there you go. Uh, but again, like you were saying, days before the 2003 invasion of Iraq, uh, the lead singer. I'm gonna forget Natalie Maines told the London audience that her band did not endorse the war and were ashamed of U.S. President George H., uh, George W. Bush. How dare they be Correct. ashamed? Yeah, how dare you how say dare you're ashamed you of George Bush? George Bush? Cancel culture. He lives. Um, so, again, in 2020, they dropped Dixie from their name, citing negative connotations, and released their first album in 14 years, which is called Gaslighter. Very cute. <laughs> I like that title. It's pretty good. They have 13 Grammy Awards, by the good way. Good for them. 13 Grammy Awards. Uh, and... Let's see here. Uh, there's one other fact I thought was cool in here. I'm going to lose it now because I put it in here. Oh, yeah. By, by July 2020, with 33 million certified albums sold and sales of 27.9 million albums in the U.S. alone, they have become the best-selling female band and best-selling country group in the U.S. Uh, since 1991. Wow. Pretty wild. Good for them. Yeah. So there you go. The Chicks. Good for them. I got to say. I don't like the chicks. Is, no, you can't. It's gotta, just not a good name. They're going to have to do gotta, something. Gotta I'm, not gonna, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to... Yeah. I'm not going to get nah, into it. I'm not going to pretend that... I'm like, oh, you know, the chicks. Ha ha, wink. No. No, not it's not good. That. I'm just going to talk about your band. <laughs> I, can talk, I can talk about your band already. I'm going to continue to not talk about your band. Uh, all right. Let's see. Oh, let's talk about another band that people don't need to talk about anymore. Let's talk about Smash Mouth. Mm. Oh, man. Uh, so Smash Mouth, uh, famously earlier this uh, this month, performed at the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally 
in South Dakota. Uh, where they, you know, there's a lot of people who were mad because they were on stage saying, F this COVID shit. Uh, now we're all here together tonight. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smash Mouth uh, has been, is, the performance itself was responsible for over 100 plus COVID cases confirmed following the rally where the band played. Uh, so <laughs> did that raise or lower your thoughts about Smash Mouth as a uh, band? I mean, the, I guess, as we continue to find out, there is no floor. <laughs> Um, it's just, it keeps dropping. Yeah, well, it's so, yeah, you, I've made it abundantly clear to you and to anybody who's listening to this podcast for 30 seconds, including these ones right here, (laughs) that like, if you're still out here being like, oh, fuck this COVID, this isn't a real thing, this is made up, they're lying to you to manipulate you because of Governor Cuomo and CNN or whatever wild (laughs) shit, Tom Hanks, Bill Gates, whatever people are saying, it, it's the it's the most mush-brained <laughs> idiot argument, and I don't. I try to be respectful yeah. of of people and yeah. what they think, but you know where I'm at, man. <laughs> I, these people are goddamn uh, fools. So, Smash Mouth, the worst, terrible, the worst. Terrible. Uh, here's a story that I didn't think we'd be talking about a week later. Remember the story of Zombie Herman Cain? Yes. How is it? Herman Cain had been tweeting, been tweeting, tweeting, tweeting from. Mm-hmm. Herman Cain's back this week. That's right, still tweeting from beyond the grave. Uh, but this week, he tweeted that COVID-19 is, quote, not as deadly as it's been made out to be just weeks after, after Herman he- Cain died from COVID-19. I don't know how to cover this story. <laughs> you shouldn't. You just covered it right there. These people, they should be ashamed of themselves. Oh, I mean, these, it's ghouls. It's ghoulish behavior. Mm, zombie Herman Cain. I can't believe uh, it. rises from the dead. I thought the story was dead last week. It's back. This is zombie. This, this is just what the podcast is about. This zombie, zombie Herman Cain. Uh, this must be like the Monster Mash section because our next story is about the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, uh, earlier I this, get it. <laughs> earlier this week, uh, Donald Trump Jr. Cryptid Corner. Yeah, Cryptid Corner. Uh, earlier this week during the Republican National Convention, uh, Donald Trump Jr. took it upon himself uh, to disparage the good name of the Loch Ness Monster, according to the Northern Times. Hang on here. Let me read this for you. Do they have a golf resort they launder money throughout there? All right. So Donald Trump Jr. during this outrageous RNC, which we didn't cover because I don't... You, you've already seen all the memes. I don't know. It is what to say. Uh, he warned, though, he was referring to the swamp, right? This so-called Democratic swamp. Sure. He said... Biden has promised to take that money out of your pocket and keep it in the swamp. And that makes sense, considering Joe Biden is basically the Loch Ness Monster of the swamp. For the past century, he's been lurking around in there. Har, har, har. So funny. Uh, Do you want to hear the response? buffoon. (laughs) This is the response uh, from Highland businessman Gary Campbell, who runs the Loch Ness Monster fan club, who sprang to the defense of the iconic creature. Mm. I'm not going to do this in an Irish in a Scottish accent. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Nessie has been on the go since 565 AD mm-hmm. and has survived everything thrown her way, including numerous plagues and two world wars. And during that time, has never hurt or attacked anyone. Because she's not real. Uh, <laughs> what Donald Jr. has done is actually compliment Joe Biden by mm. comparing him to Nessie, who has done nothing but boost the magic of our country and the Scottish economy. So how dare you, Donald Trump Jr., for daring to try and disparage the good name of the Loch Ness Monster and what he's done for the Scottish tourist community. 
Love the Scots. <laughs> always been, always been a friend of the Irish. So there you go, Loch Ness monster. Uh, all right, what else do we have here? Oh, here's our Doomsday report for the week. Mm. This is just the headline of the article. AI Jesus will help you embrace the apocalypse. And yet another sign, the end of the world is nigh. And AI Jesus has arisen with a new set of apocalyptic biblical verses. Apparently there is a CEO of a startup company who created an AI and fed it the entire text of the King James Bible. Uh, <laughs> So the AI like built up only learning nothing but what it learned from the Bible. Oh God. <laughs> and it spat out <coughs> Here's a few of the words uh, that it spat out on the end of days. This is from the AI robot. The end of days. The ship that was before the temple, and we he said, Thou shalt not cease to be cleansed. And the Lord said unto me, Take heed that the Lord and a refuge from the beginning. I assume I'm doing AI voice. I'm not doing I thought, see, voice. I thought, what a swerve, because I thought I had dodged the accent bullet with the Scots. No. <laughs> Coming around to hit me with the AI. <laughs> the plague shall be the fathers in the world, and the same is my people, and he will be more abhorrent in the mouth of the Lord of hosts. So there you go. If you were curious about what AI propaganda Jesus sounds like, you can read this article on the nextweb.com. I'm not going to go all the way out here and say that these people should stop fucking with AI. All I'm saying <laughs> is if... If that's what you're going to be doing, there's no reason to smash it up with all sorts of fucking Old Testament mysticism. No reason to put those two together. No. No reason. No this reason. Is... But the, why don't you feed it the ten Harry Potter books or whatever? Why don't you do something like that? Or feed it anything. All of Shakespeare's this like, works. This is like some Heaven's Gate shit out here. What uh, they do? Who are these people? All right. And uh, here's our dumb article of the week. This is from Newsweek. It's called, I Work With Cheaters. Here are my top six signs to spot... An affair. Are oh, you shit, ready? The news. Are you ready for the top six signs? Are you ready? They're pretty. They're pretty intense. Sign one: Your partners become really good at lying at little innocuous things. Okay, I guess people lie about little. I mean, don't lie. Sign two: They get all defensive at well-meaning interactions. So there you go. Another sign. What? These are all signs that people could be cheating on you, Kevin. Yo, Newsweek is a rag. Sign three. First of all, sign three. They gaslight you. People will gaslight you for their own behavior. There you go. Sign number four. They accuse you of cheating on them and then sort of self-confess that they're cheating. This all seems like you'd be more obvious if people were doing these things. Scene five. You get together via cheating, thus you have a history of cheating. That one's that true. That one's fair. That one's true. If the cheat with you, the cheat on you. Learn that lesson young, hopefully. You should, because you don't want to learn it too late in life. And then sign six, online and phone activity has altered. So it changes. In, so those last two are okay. I'll give yeah. you those last two. The other ones are all super vague, I feel like. It's just, a, I, you can understand what they're saying, but that's more like, um... That's more circumstantial evidence than... <laughs> yeah. You've know, you got to start with the heavy stuff. I think you've buried the lead a little bit. I guess they're doing it dinner style. They start with the appetizer. You know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing. But, yeah. Uh, questions from uh, from fake mailbags. Uh, here's a question for you. I thought about this earlier this week. You know, we live in this like... your mailbag from yeah. me? <laughs> so, we live in this cancel culture society. You guys can't see my, my fingers. Yeah, but yeah. hopefully you can read the sarcasm yeah. in the voice because it's a made-up thing. Uh... But, you know, there are a lot of people over my childhood who I've learned a lot of crummy things about. Yes. Right? That I'm pretty down about. So I was trying to figure out 
who for you so far has been the hero that's let you down the most from childhood? Was there anyone that you really enjoyed? Because I have the one that I was thinking about, and it's real obvious. Mm. But I was thinking about it this week when I was doing my wrestling research. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When I was when I was young, I really really liked Bill Cosby. I mm, loved the Cosby, Cosby Show. Yep, that was certainly a I big thing. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked Kevin Spacey as an actor, Kevin but Spacey. you also got the vibes that he maybe you had always heard he wasn't maybe the nicest guy, so you're not super surprised. But I don't know if there was anybody who was like a childhood icon where I was like heartbroken over. Pee Wee Herman? No, I don't. Yeah. I got no regard for Pee Wee Herman whatsoever. I mean, it's certainly very obvious. But my answer was Hulk Hogan, right? Mm. Hulk Hogan is an interesting one, right? Because I, I think, you know, that was like, I had Hulk Hogan, like, pajamas. Sure. Everything, right? Like, you, sure. he was everything. And his whole character, there's Hulk Hogan right there, looking at it right now. Yeah. Uh, his whole character, too, in that era was essentially presented as supposing to be, like, this virtuistic guy, yeah. right? Like, say in your prayers, take your vitamins, you know, mm-hmm. you know, be a good dude. I forget what the other parts of it was. Like, sure. Say your prayers... Eat your vitamins. Train? I forget what the other one was. Like, work out? Be, a, be, a, be active in society? Sure. Tan, I think, was another one. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that was a big downer because, you know, I don't you know, Hulk Hogan's like a pop culture figure as well. He's like, he was larger than that. But I, like, really was like the first superhero of my life. Mm-hmm. And to have it just be like, oh, this guy's like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, not a great guy. So I think that Hogan is probably the biggest one for me because so much of my youth, like, nostalgia and really early childhood was tied up with, like, pretending that I was Hulk Hogan yeah. fighting the Macho Man. You know what, though? What a great time to be alive where people aren't getting away with it the same way, at least. No, it's true. That's positive. True. No, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I wouldn't be happier not knowing that Hulk... You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm glad that I know that Hulk Hogan's a... A dick. That's my thing. Like, in between uh, crying myself to sleep over cancel culture, I do find some time. Uh, but when I find myself crying myself to sleep because 19 year olds on the internet say people are canceled. Um, Just exchanging be- ideas. I, I do I do enjoy the the karma and the seeing people get their comeuppance. And you want people who are bad people and are in positions of power that have these long histories of abuse. Like, you love those justice stories and seeing people kind of being brought to justice and getting caught and, you know, that type of thing. Well, so. If you go in social media today, no one wants to see anyone pay for any crimes they do, it seems like. Everything's like... I don't know, man. I've seen some people being real comfortable with what people should pay for certain <laughs> crimes on the internet recently if you're on Facebook. So, <sighs> telling me a lot of people deserve certain crimes. Uh, so, yeah. Hulk Hogan's my biggest one. Bill Cosby's a good one. I didn't think about that. I used Bill to watch Cosby, that show all the time, yeah. That's a pretty obvious one, probably. And that probably touches more people than Hulk Hogan. Mm. I thought Hulk Hogan's a pretty common one for men of a certain age, but Bill Cosby way more yeah, famous Hulk, than Hulk Hogan. Hulk, Hulk Hogan comes from a world where like wrestlers aren't necessarily great guys anyway, and you don't That's know true. it as much when you're a kid. But like Bill Cosby is like in the running for America's Dad, like the oh. one of the most wholesome, exemplary figures on television in the '80s and '90s. You know, it's kind of a fringe one. They're not as big a deal. Comedians that I liked as a kid, because a lot of like comedians that I grew up watching like Comedy Central ended up being like dickheads. I think I just got old enough to know that a lot of comedians and I'm not saying every comedian because you know certainly plenty of comedians that are good people and I certainly I know a bunch of them you know what I mean yeah. but like there's plenty of people who go into that that have got you know and they all talk about it so many comedians you hear a podcast will talk about you know a lot of people with issues in this business and people are like you come to grow up and find out a lot of people doing stand up are pretty damaged in their own right. When I was a little kid I liked Gallagher. Right, Gallagher's like a the different... fruit smashing guy. Yeah, the fruit smashing guy. 
Because before he was, yeah, like a, I like I like the spectacle. Well, because before he was like a shit rag comedian who performed at like gun festivals, like he was a relatively famous, competent comedian who did like a bit. Right, the hammer smashing thing was the thing he was most well known for, I suppose. But he did like thirty minutes of stand up before he'd do ten minutes of smashing stuff. That's just the part everyone remembers. Mm. And I guess the other one was Dennis Leary. Like Dennis Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer stand up was like one of the first like famous comedy specials that I remember. Mm having on cassette what did he do now well that one just ages poorly because it's all like i like to smoke cigarettes and eat red meat and shoot guns and fuck that everybody was his thing back then he was an yeah asshole. I, mean, I just mean was... my taste for it changed as i got my older. taste for gruff uh, when you're it's easy when you're young when you're immature to confuse and mistake uh crudeness and shock value yeah. for humor you know, you it, it causes you to laugh and then elicit that extreme reaction, you know, because that's, that's what it's designed to do. But I think as you get older, if you're somebody who thinks about humor and comedy and you think about what makes you laugh and you think about mm-hmm. what makes others laugh, you're going to develop a more nuanced taste where you're just going to, there's going to be a little bit higher bar for what I really think is funny. Yeah. Same reason that, like, I don't find, I'm not saying you won't laugh at some of them, like certain movies you've seen, but, like, you got to work really hard to get me to laugh at, like, a bathroom humor joke. Or something now, because you're just old. You want more. You're like, ah, I get it, but it's not for me, you know. You know, I laughed at a couple weeks ago. I was talking to my sister. She recited a Dane Cook joke from that one Dane Cook album. And I laughed mm. pretty hard. <laughs> did you laugh because of the construction of the joke, or did you laugh because of the like, recall? Could have been the recall. I think it was the recall. It's See, a callback. Callback. Shoes. Jokes are, this guy shoes over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do our Spotify picks for the week. Um, so it's covers. Yeah. Pop this on me okay. before we got here. Yeah, so uh, let, let's let's talk about it for just a second. So, I had made an entire playlist of songs that I picked. It were just regular songs for this week. And one of the tracks on there uh, was a song called Everyone's a Winner. But the, the word one is, it's like every, the number one is a winner, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why they chose to spell it that way. Um, but I was listening to it, and somewhere along the way is by a band called Ta- Ty Siegel. I found out that it was actually a cover song mm-hmm. by a band called Hot Chocolate, right. who is uh, famous for another song that I'm going to forget right now off the top of the head, but it's way more famous. Okay. Uh, so all of a sudden, last minute, last night, as I'm in bed, I totally shift and I make this whole list about cover songs. So I have okay. two cover songs. We'll talk about one is Everyone's a Winner by Ty Siegel, which is actually a cover of a, the same song by a band called Hot Chocolate. Super uh, funky. Super funky. Super funky. Super, super funky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll learn how to play that. It sounds like fun to play. And uh, the second one that I'm going to do is uh, a song by David Byrne that is actually the first time on the podcast we're going to have a repeat song on our mixtapes. Because last week, you chose Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. We were talking about female vocalists. That's correct. And this week, I am choosing David Byrne's live version of... I want to dance with somebody. David Byrne of Talking Heads fame, for everybody who doesn't know. That is correct. Uh, so there you go. There's two of my my picks for this week, and then we'll put that up as the show's over with. Okay, do you have any you want to talk about? I got, uh, I'm got. i still a little bit sprung, so i got to look at them, and i got to narrow it down to the six, but I'm expecting that you will you will definitely see um, the cover of Britney Spears' Toxic with ODB and Mark Ronson <laughs> and them boys. That's coming for you 100%. Um, and then uh, there's there's a couple other uh, speculatively out there. I gotta think there's so many, you know. There's because for all the ones that like people know and that are out there and you forget exist, so many bands just record obscure versions because it's an easy thing to throw on an EP or an extra or a compilation or whatever. So there's a lot. There's a lot of material out there. Yeah. 
So uh, we'll see. You're definitely definitely that toxic cover. Hit me up with any, again, folks, hit me up with any cover songs that we haven't mentioned on this list we talked about today that you'd like to share with us. Maybe, I always like a good cover song. I always like an interesting... We talk about the Faith by Limp Bizkit cover? <laughs> is, that, is that on this list? I mean, it was... It was, it, was big, it was big. It was a big. It was a big deal. Uh, thanks to I think Justin, who we haven't done the interview with yet. Yeah, but, it seems like yeah. Justin. Uh, Kev, thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah. Early in the day pod again this week. I can't knock it out. I got a busy one today. All right, Cyanar Humanoids, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. And as always, we will see you next week. I didn't do any of the platforms. You know where you are. Stitcher yeah, Hive. Stitcher Hive. Shout out. Stitcher.